hello. Thank you for joining me again this week. I'm David, co-founder of Ag Economic Insights. And today we brought out the Brain Trust. We have Dr. Jeff Young joining us. As many of you know, I um, refer to him as the yield wizard because he has the unique ability to take yield and drive it towards, or data, in this case, uh, data that the USDA is putting out, data that we can reflect on and think about, and he helps drive it towards insights to help us think about what's going on with the growing season yield forecasts. And as many of you know, we just closed the Ag Forecast Network questions, the long-term questions about above trend yields here in 2021. And we used the November WASD report. Corn came in below the November WASDE report, soybeans came in above the trend line. So this is a good time of the year to always kick back and chat with Jeff about the uh, weekly work that he does with us, looking at crop conditions reporting, and he looks at weather data. Um, He's always looking at a lot of stuff to help us understand what's going on. So Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, David. Can you remind everybody what what your day job is and where you're at and and what keeps you uh, busy throughout the rest of the week? Oh, well, yeah, AEI is what I do for fun. And then what I do to keep me off the streets and out of trouble is I'm a professor of ag business at Murray State University here in Murray, Kentucky. And Jeff and I crossed paths at Purdue University several years ago. And so Jeff's been helping us for a few years now. So it's always great. I don't want to you know, reveal trade secrets yet, but Jeff, your project is coming to an end, but you have other projects you're going to be helping us with. So folks aren't going to you're going to hear from Jeff long before the corn planters get rolling in the spring. So look forward to that. So Jeff, I want to kick this off. I'm going to screen share for those joining us on uh, the YouTube channel. Otherwise, uh, we're going to keep in mind that a lot of folks here have been joining us to the podcast audio files, so they might not be able to see the charts. But I want to reflect back on what you've observed with the corn and the soybean yield models that you've put out, again, on a weekly basis going back throughout the growing season. And Jeff, one of the things that stood out to me this year is things were pretty consistent. Last year, we had these ups and downs. And generally speaking, the models, especially once we got into middle to end of June, were pretty consistent throughout the year. Yeah, the estimates were actually pretty stable this time. So as we're looking at this, um, you know, the chart that I'm looking at has the three forecasts that you, the three models that you run, and there's a weekly forecast for each of those. It shows, uh, here's the October WASDE at 176.5. Of course, the November WASDE came in at 1677. And so we moved a little bit closer to the trend yield, but we still came in below. But, you know, in general, these models came in pretty consistent year, week over week. Any observations that, you know, you've made, Jeff, about the corn that, you know, we don't see here in this data? Well, as you can see in the chart, for the folks looking at the chart, in a typical week during the 2021 growing season for corn, we would come in above the WASD, or at least the, the most recent WASD estimates. A couple times, one or two of the models dips below WASD, but not by very much. Uh, the rest of the time, it's fairly consistent, right above. And then uh, state by state, kind of matched up with what we heard throughout the summer, or at least you know what I was seeing on Twitter and, and hearing through the grapevine in the uh, network that I'm part of with farmers, is the states that had a hard time 
with uh, regional drought or you know prolonged dry periods even uh, the state level projections would kind of pick up on that for the better part of the summer whereas the states that didn't have any trouble with moisture and rainfall well, stayed pretty consistently above their long-term trend yeah i think this is important to your work uh, i use your work a lot to help ground truth me a little bit like okay if we're seeing conditions deteriorate, what sort of magnitude do we need to be contemplating? And, and recognizing there's some air within any given forecast that's made, but what degree should we be uh, factoring into that? And then of course, you make these state level estimates and we're looking at the corn state level yield estimates. And as you can see, um, you know, South Dakota, Iowa, they were coming in below uh, those uh, long-term trend yields. Same with I'm doing my geography here, um, you know, Kentucky, you have to cross over the information you're hearing or seeing on Twitter, the photos you see on social media with where those states are and how the state's playing out. And so this is helpful. And I think, you know, Missouri is sort of the one that we didn't hear a lot of this year on social media, but Missouri had a really phenomenal yield. They had really yeah. uh, phenomenal crop out there. So that was, of course, offsetting other parts of the Corn Belt. So soybeans, shifting gears a little bit, again, fairly consistent, but soybeans, the models have been running below where the USDA's had their estimates. Yeah. Yeah, a, a little higher temperatures uh, during the soybean season this year. Um, so they never really, we never really saw any big jumps in the projected soybean yields, but uh, we never saw any major dips either. Uh, fairly consistent, kind of like corn. The estimates were fairly stable, but they were stably low, as you can see there with the October WASDI. It's the same story for the other WASDI reports as well. We typically came in just a little bit below. Right. And again, this exercise is for educational purposes, not trying to encourage anybody to go and trade off this information, but helping people really understand uh, how everything shapes up. Again, that's right. Looking at the state level data for soybeans, uh, again, Kansas looked pretty good. Missouri, again, having another phenomenal year. But you saw the soybeans were more widespread issues in the traditional corn belt. So Iowa yeah. was about one bushel below what we consider the trend line, um, similar with Minnesota, a bushel and a half in South Dakota. So helping people contextualize the geographic pain of where these crops are struggling or where they're actually doing really well. I always watch your charts again, the, the the line charts. I don't see anybody else out there doing, a lot of people make yield forecasts, but you're standing out there in front of the bus every week saying, this is where the data are. And I'm going to show you where last week's forecast was also. And so, you know, we have these out there. You can go see them. Um, I always watch for big turns and big changes in your estimates to help me help trigger my thinking is that when I need to reevaluate the crop and there just wasn't a whole lot of deviations here. So that was my big lesson there. So Jeff, I want to turn it a little more, a little deeper. And I want to ask you, um, I'm going to stop sharing this so that way we can, I don't get distracted, but you're working on a new paper, a new article for us, and you're going to help frame up sort of the idea of what happened in 2021. And so I'll set this up a little bit. There's a USDA model known as the Westcott-Jewison. It's a very important model to help us think about 
how weather impacts, how growing season conditions impact the, the, the corn and soybean crop. But you focused on corn for this article. So I want you to talk a little bit about the paper and then the variables that they use and what is one or two lessons that we might have learned from 2021. Absolutely. Well, I, obviously, I don't want to give too much away um, for, for the forthcoming paper, but as far as what we're looking at, yes, we are focusing on the interpretation of the westcott Jewison model, and uh, we're definitely laser-focused on corn, just uh, to help contextualize where 2021 landed relative to what we would consider a normal or a typical year, what we would expect to see. So some of the variables, I've got it pulled up here, um, just for reference, uh, you've got a long-term linear trend for an assortment of reasons. We would expect the yields to be on an upward trend. So we would control for that. We control for how quickly the crop got planted, uh, especially by the middle of May. That's what Wes Cotton Jewison found is kind of a pivotal point is can the corn get in early enough to catch the spring rains and to pick up on the easier part of summer leading up to pollination, so mid-May planting progress. Uh, intensity of any droughts in June, if there is a drought in June, right, during that peak pollination time. And then uh, July rainfall and July temperature are the, are the chief variables that we're concerned about. As far as 2021 compared to a normal year, uh, we wouldn't expect to see any major June drought, and we didn't. Maybe a little bit of stress, maybe a little bit of isolated dry patches, maybe a little bit of warmer temperatures, and that was the case leading into July, higher than normal temperatures. But a lot of the negatives that we saw were outdone, I should say, outweighed, outmatched by very, very rapid planting progress in early May. The yield boost as a result of that rapid planting progress in early May overpowered the negatives by a couple of bushels, in fact. But again, don't want to give anything away for the article, but that's kind of what we're looking at. I think that's really helpful because we heard a lot of commentary around the I believe it's June temperatures. So, oh, it's really hot in June. And this model does not include temperatures as a direct variable in its... Not for June, at least. For, for June, right. So it's yeah. the temperatures really become a factor in July. And so when we were hearing these narratives, and I think a lot of folks, if we are getting a time machine and take the USDA 2021 WASI report to... June 15th, when everybody was worried about these temperatures, this heat dome that was setting in around the middle of December said, oh, the corn crop's going to finish up at 177, which is effectively two bushels below trend line. It's, you know, a below trend corn yield, but not by a huge stretch of the imagination, not a huge deviation from the norm. I don't think a lot of people would have believed us. They were putting a whole lot of weight in this temperature. And so one of the things that we were writing about and thinking about, you reminded me of, was like, well, temperature doesn't really become a, a huge factor in these models, this national level model until we get into July. Now, I'm not going to say it doesn't have an impact at the field level, definitely has a field level impact. But this model helps us think about what are some of the priorities in ranking about what's going to have a huge impact on the, the national corn crop. The one that I think gets overlooked, Jeff, that you remind me of all the time is 
specific to corn, not soybeans, but specific to corn, is the planting pace. And the planting pace here in 2021, you said earlier, was pretty rapid, and it actually sort of gave the national corn yield a bit of a boost going into the any adverse weather. Yeah, it did. I think if we expected something like, I don't know, uh, an 80% of the crop planted in the major states of the corn belt in aggregate, so you hit 80%. This year, weighted average across those states was about 96 to 97% by middle of May. Very fast, very early. So Jeff, I know I'm asking you this off the cuff. So if you don't know, you can tell everybody to stay tuned for the article. What was the yield impact? What was sort of the bushel impact that the model suggested came from just the early planting pace? That by itself, I have not isolated. Okay. So rather than guess, um, okay. I, I would say wait, wait for the article. Wait to for have the article. An actual number attached to the to the planting pace. I know how to figure it out. I just I don't have it isolated quite yet. So what's really exciting about this article is we're going to say, okay, this is what a typical yield would have been in a normal weather event year. And this is where the model said, forecast that we would be. And we'll see where the final final comes out, but they'll be in the ballpark. And then you're going to go through and look like, okay, what was the impact that came from planting base? What was the impact of that drought condition in June? What was the impact of the heat and the rainfall in July? And how does all that sort of um, tie in together and sort of give you a net net? What's the individual component? Because that planting pace, we sometimes only think about planting pace, especially in the shadow of preventive planting in 2019 and 2020, we think of yeah. it as being a yield hit. And then this mm-hmm. model, early planting pace really puts the corn crop up for success. And I think the other thing to keep in mind that I always remind myself is if you want to have an absolute disaster of a corn crop per the model, you plant it late and then you have a drought in June, July, and August with high temperatures and low rainfall. That's the recipe for smoking it, right? <laughs> Late planting, adverse weather. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, 2021 seems to have avoided that disaster. All right, Jeff. So I'm going to switch back over and load one last article that you've put together for us. And you titled it Knowing Where We Stand for Now. And one of the ideas here is, the growing season, the book isn't closed. They're still going to be writing in the ledger for a little bit. But in general, we've moved a long way through the growing season. And there's less variability. We have wrote articles about this. There's less variability in how much adjustment the USDA has historically made between November and the final. But it's not final, final. But one thing that you did is you stepped out and said, okay, let's look at, you know, I believe you said, where are we in the first week of October with your, this is one of the models that you've put together and says, okay, how much air is out there between final with this model estimates? And so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So as you can see in the corn figure, more often than not, this model tends to underpredict. It tends to be a little pessimistic and generally speaking for the last 20 years, um, and just eyeballing it, possibly for this year as well, maybe to a lesser degree, the actual yield ends up coming in a bit above what this model forecasts 
in the first week of October. That's not to say there's not years where this model overshot. It did. And those are the red lines in that chart. But there are more years in which the forecasted yield, first week of October, from this model came in just a little too low than there are when it came in just a little too high. The one thing I want to help people think about is if you're really diving into this, this particular model is the ordinal, which I call the 54321. Uh, it gives five points for every percentage of the crop that is in very good condition, and it gives four to good three average, so forth. The formula so, is just a couple lines above the chart. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you've got it. Five for every percentage point that's excellent, four for every percentage point that's good, three fair, two poor, one very poor. So that gives you a range of, of scores. It gives a score. It scores the crop from 500 if everything was 100% excellent to 100 if everything was very poor. And then we exactly. use that score to try to predict what the yield implications are. And I think what's interesting about this all models are wrong. Some are useful. I think this is a quote that, you know, Brent and, and also you use a lot. This model um, has some challenges, especially on the years that are way away from or a long ways away from, you know, the trend line. So the two yeah. years with the biggest air are 2004, which was 18 bushels above the trend line. There's a lot of air there. There's also considerable air in 2012, of course, the drought. And so yeah. similar method. So we're looking at October, I'm looking at soybeans, but the, a little different story. So why don't you talk us through soybeans as well? Yeah, so soybeans, obviously, we have a lot less to work with as far as room for error. I mean, we're talking in the 150 to 200 bushel range for corn. In soybeans, we're not talking numbers that big. And so we might see a lot more up and down swings, but look at the magnitudes on the vertical axis. We're on the magnitude of two to three bushel errors. Uh, it's a 50-50 shot for soybeans as far as how many years in the first week of October did this model underpredict and how many years in the first week of October did this model overpredict. It's 50-50 as far as uh, where it lands on that. So the average error is actually pretty much zero in the average. Yeah, and not to get too much in the weeds, but this is consistent with some other stuff we were talking about offline, which is soybean yields typically a little more uniform. So I think the range mm -hmm. of possibilities are six bushel above the trend line and six bushel below the trend line. Whereas yeah. in corn, we see the range is more like 32 bushels under and 18 bushel above. And so there's a little more yeah. skew going on with corn than soybeans. But in general, um, looks like it's going to be above trend line soybean yield year for the crop. Been a lot of above trend line soybean yields lately. So, um, and I, one thing I want to point out that's different in the Westcott Jewison. So that second point we talked about. The Westcott Jewison model has a different factors that go into play for soybeans than corn. So they don't include the early planting pace for soybeans, but they do add weather variables. So the weather for August, the temperatures and the rainfall are still relevant. So they average July and October together for the soybeans. And I think that's a good reminder, right? Planting pace isn't as important, at least in this model for soybeans, but the weather question mark lingers all the way through August. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, Jeff, any last thoughts you want to share and impart with us before we sign off today? 
I don't have anything new and exciting. Just stay tuned for that update as far as where the corn crop landed relative to a normal corn crop and keep updating your forecasts. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much. Thanks for always sharing a little bit of insights every week. We appreciate it. We'll be in touch as uh, the growing season comes along next year, but also as we get uh, these new projects underway. So thanks again for all your work, Jeff. Thank you, the listeners, for supporting, but also tuning in. So in the meantime, stay curious. 